Hey everybody, welcome to another week of No One Told Me. My name is Callie and I'm so happy you're here. You might have noticed last week, we missed a week of No One Told Me. And let me tell you, sometimes when you have a podcast, everything goes right. And then sometimes when you have a podcast, everything goes wrong. You should write that down. That is golden advice. Not everyone gets that and you're getting it for free right now. Actually, last week, here's what happened. The spookiest of all things happened. It was supposed to be a Halloween episode with Kari and Kaylee, but the batteries went out on the recorder and I just, I couldn't get it together quick enough to readjust and re-record. So instead, we're just going to give you this um, unintentionally edited version and hope that it still just scratches that Halloween itch, even though we're past Halloween. That's okay, right? Not a, not a huge deal. And then the spooks, they really just kept coming. When the audio files on my conversation from today with Olivia Mentor, Mentor, guys, I struggle with her last name, and she understands, and I feel like that she she's okay with it. She's okay with it. You know, these audio files, they weren't great, but this conversation is. So I went ahead and we're, we're going to roll with it anyway. So in full transparency, we're saying these past couple weeks, they haven't gone as planned, but we're still out here trying. And that's really all we can do. I loved spending time talking with Olivia. You know, when you only know someone through Instagram, you don't really know what it's going to be like when you have a conversation. But this was so easy. I wanted to talk with her because Olivia is doing what the very purpose of this podcast is. She's sharing her experiences, trying to leave the world of nine to five and pursue a passion. And she's doing it all in an effort to prepare anyone who might come after her. And I love it. If you've ever thought, I wonder if I could, but weren't sure where to start and even trying something new. This conversation is for you in a time when everyone has a side hustle going when you think, maybe I should pursue something that I'm super passionate about. But then the fear, the doubt and the rejection all sneak in. This is your reminder that you won't be alone if you're not trying yet, or you aren't the only one. Everyone has these feelings just listen in and I really hope this helps. All right, so this interview is one that I've been pretty excited about for a little while. It is with my uh, Olivia. I'm going to say your name wrong. In my head, it's it's Muter. What is it? <laughs> um, so everyone does that, but it's Mentor actually. But I kind of accept like anything at this point because the spelling is so misleading. So. I will accept whatever whatever you want to call me. <laughs> That's how I am. Everyone always called me uh, Kaylee growing up because of the spelling of my name. And I just started answering to whatever. Like, if that's if that's what you feel like is good to call me, then I'll answer to it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it makes things easier. <laughs> but I want to just start with a little bit of your story, Olivia, just to give everyone kind of a basis to work from. So kind of where you're from, which we just covered, college, professional life, and circle around to kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm always really excited to talk about everything, career and life and all of that. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Florida, in Tampa, and then I went to college at the University of Florida, and I studied journalism, and I was kind of always interested in writing and photography and, and all of that. I didn't really know what that would lead into at any point. But I ended up getting a few different internships at different websites, mostly writing about fashion and beauty. And it just so happened that one of those was like an up and coming website called Bustle, and they were looking to hire an associate editor. And so like towards the end of my senior year, 
they were like, hey, do you want this job? <laughs> and that was pretty much it. So I moved to New York like a month after graduation um, by myself. And I worked at that job as a fashion beauty editor for nearly four years um, and kind of like worked my way up. And then around the third year, I kind of realized that I wanted to go out on my own. And I spent a year like making that happen, basically. And then like a year ago, I quit my job and and went freelance. And so that is where I am now. Oh, and I moved to Philadelphia. What prompted that move? New York is just very limiting in a lot of, a lot of ways. It made it really hard to see family. It was so expensive. It made it hard to sort of have any flexibility there. And we just wanted more space. We had friends that lived in Philly. We had family close by. We just kind of picked it. <laughs> yeah. Why not at this point? Backing up to when you kind of started writing and you were started thinking about, okay, could this be what I do instead? Like, could I make it out on my own? What set you up? to think I can do this kind of what was your thought process to I could actually go out on my own and make this work yeah I mean so being an editor I obviously worked wrote on my own a lot and then I I worked with a lot of writers as well who were sending me pitches and who were full-time freelancing or freelancing on the side and I, I really loved my job. It was such a cool job. You know, I got to interview celebrities and I, there was tons of freebies and I went on these, you know, all expense paid trips and it was just amazing. But I just wanted, I just found myself really like chasing the next promotion or title, but not really understanding or feeling like satisfied <laughs> with any of that. I kind of just thought, you know, like I just want to be writing all day. And I want to be creating all day. And I don't really know if I knew I could do it. Like there weren't a ton of examples (laughs) that I really found out there, Mm -hmm. but I had like a hunch I could. And I was like, well, I might as well just try. And that's kind of where the impulse was. How long did it take you from the time you were like, this is an option. I could do this to actually pull the trigger because I feel like a lot of listeners and especially kind of the millennial age group is they're seeing that these people are going out on their own and making it. And it's almost like a thought in the back of their heads. Could I do that? Is that something, you know, do I have a talent or a gift that I think I can lean into and go out on my own too? What was your trigger, like your turning point? Was there a significant moment that kind of was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I, t- I talk about this a lot, but at the end of 2017, one of my best friends passed away really suddenly in a car accident. And I think I, I was 24 at the time. She was 24. And, you know, we we're heading into 2018. And I just kind of looked at like the just my daily life, like what I spent every day doing, my, what I spent my weekends doing, where we lived, how like connected I felt to all of that. And I just was like, you know, I just, I think I should try something different. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I kind of just decided, like, move toward it gradually. So yeah, I mean, the short answer is about a year and a half between having the idea to like move, quit my job, start my own business, (laughs) and actually doing it. That's when you say it that way, it's kind of a whirlwind. You know, we're gonna move, I'm gonna also quit my job. And then you know what, I'm just gonna figure out if I can start my own business at this point. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, I mean, it kind of was, but it all kind of work together because I was like I don't think I'll have the guts to leave this job that so many people would love to have unless I force myself to then Mm. move out of the city so it kind of all interconnected but it was a bit of a whirlwind but I kind of just tried to like break it into the most bite-sized pieces and like 
build up to it slowly, which helped a lot. Yeah. Make, so you said, you know, you kind of talked to Jake about it and probably your family a little bit. What was that conversation like? And then I would imagine that their encouragement or their feedback probably helped feed your decision as well. So how did that play out for you in terms of how did you weigh out the pros and cons, uh, especially when other people are speaking into the decision? Yeah, I mean, something about me that's both a blessing and a curse is that once I have my mind set on a certain thing, it's very difficult for me to be <laughs> persuaded not to do it. Sure. So I think my parents were just kind of like, oh, like, well, Philly, that's random. Or, you know, like, I think they were kind of like, you're going to leave this great job. But everyone was always very supportive. And same with Jake. I mean, we both agreed that we didn't want to be in New York long term. And really, the conversation came down to like, if we don't make a decision to leave, we're going to be caught in this cycle where we're still here in, in 10 or 15 years. And we just didn't want that. So you kind of have to like stop the cycle. <laughs> yeah. And, and pretty much figure out, is it worth it? Because every probably instinct and fear sneaks in and pretty much convinces you this is not something you want to do back out of this decision. You know, so when you came up against those thoughts, like, hey, you're probably not going to make it. Hey, this probably isn't going to work out. How did you stay on track? How did you keep pushing forward? I mean, I really just like did small things. I was like, okay, this is what I want my career to look like in a year. And then I was like, what do I need to build to get to that point? Okay. I need a better website. I need to try to pitch to another editor to get some of things published to other websites other than the one I was working at. I need to, you know, figure out what it costs to live there, figure out what it costs to move all of that. And of course, like, you know, we're both very privileged, Jake and I, in that we have, you know, the support of our parents and we had, you know, a little bit of savings to make it work. And I, you know, I realized a lot of people don't have those privileges. So it was a combination of, of all of that, really. So step one, I know there's a lot of people, you almost had a little bit of a head start because of your experience already in the industry in a lot of ways. But I know there are a lot of people who are like, I really think I could do this. I really think this is something that I could explore. Or maybe they just want to do it on the side and see if it could be a success, whether it is writing or whether it is any other industry that they want to try to jump into. What was step one for you? I mean, how did you even open that door to be like, ah, this is going to be, I'm setting myself up for a future? Actually, one of the things that was most helpful when I was redoing my website at the beginning, I had to write my bio as if I was already I had already quit my job. Yes. <laughs> and I, had, I was already starting. So, you know, I, I remember sitting there and I was still in my other job and I was on a break or something. And I was like, Olivia is a, or I live in Philly with my in a, in a row home with my fiance and my dog. And I spend my days writing about X, Y, Z. And it felt ridiculous at the time. And I was really just doing it to like have the copy done for my new website that I was going to, you know, launch in six months. Sure. It was like, this is what I want it to look like. And yeah. I don't see why that can't happen. Once you've actually written it out, it seems much more um, attainable. Kind of put it on paper and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going toward. I wonder too, you talked about branding and leaning into what you already know you kind of love to do and letting that take you a little bit further. Within that though, a lot of it, you have to be kind of vulnerable and kind of honest and authentic. And that's what people connect with the most. How did you find a line of, okay, I will let the world see these parts of me and connect with them on these areas. And then how do you decide these are the things I'm going to keep 
to myself. Like this is just, you know, between me and Jake or me and my friends and family or, or whatever else, because it, it does require a sense of like, Hey, here I am. Like here's people want to feel like they know you. Right. And so as you're building this brand and kind of leaning into that, how did you draw those lines and create some boundaries? I, you know, it's interesting. A few people have asked me this question and I kind of, I've never really sat down and been like, here are the, you know, hard and fast rules to what I put on social media and what I don't. In general, I try to just look at it as an independent thing. So, you know, Jake is on my Instagram and stuff sometimes, but for the most part, I just am like, how am I feeling? Do I feel Mm. comfortable with sharing this about myself? Mm -hmm. And that tends to work for me, but I always just like try to tune into like, okay, why am I sharing this particular vulnerable moment? Am I sharing it because it's going to help me to be honest about this or like, it's going to help me to feel like it's helping other people or am I doing it because I want to portray some, you know, picture Mm -hmm. of authenticity. So I just try to be like honest about what I feel comfortable with and why I'm sharing something. And that tends to like, pretty much guide me to a place that feels comfortable. So many, and I think you can include yourself in this, are finding success on these social platforms on top of kind of the other stuff you're doing as far as putting out pieces of content across multiple platforms. If you could say, so for me, knowing that I have people watching and listening to me, what kind of standards are you like, because I carry the weight of knowing people are paying attention to me, these are the things that I want to keep in mind and what you kind of believe most influencers should keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, I think it is difficult because you want to feel like you're being your authentic self, but you also want to remember that you do have a responsibility to to other people to, you know, keep in mind what they should know or or what might be triggering to someone or or, or all of that. Mm -hmm. For me, I just kind of try to have social reflect how I live my life. And that means that you know, this whole past summer, like I tried to be as honest as possible about, you know, there are things that I'm learning, there are ways that I have failed, there are ways that I will continue to fail. But, but, you know, learning is important to me. And, you know, I don't really care if I lose followers because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, yeah. because in my core, like, this is what I believe, even if I'm not perfect mm-hmm. at, you know, posting on social or even in my, you know, normal life, no matter what following you have, you know, and, it, it can be a lot of pressure because you want to feel like you're getting things right and mm-hmm. you're being responsible and you're setting a good example. And that, I mean, it's true whether you have two followers or 200 or 2,000 or 2 million. It's, it's the same across the board. Sure. Everyone has some sort of mode of influence. I mean, even if it's with your friends or family or on a bigger platform. Absolutely. I did also love over the summer... You, I mean, you went through it, Olivia, like you had to move your wedding multiple times, you had to cancel things, you had to readjust things. And what I loved, I actually saw a meme about this the other day. And it said, you know, what brides want you to believe, like they only cried one or two days over all the changes. But the reality is, I think it was that that rent song from the musical that was like 5000 whatever days (laughs) said this was me. And how many days I cried over this. But you were so honest and authentic through it. Like this is what stinks. But just a quick update for me personally, really, where where are you with all of that now? I mean, (laughs) well, right now we rescheduled uh, when we were scheduled in I think we were scheduled in April, we were scheduled for April 2021. Right now, I, I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> as no one does. And I, I generally try not to think about it and I'm fine. You know, I, I think that, 
I really, it's interesting because we are in the position that everything had already been paid for. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm -hmm. the thing that stresses me out is not like, I've kind of accepted if we were just to like elope or something and just have a smaller ceremony, I'd be fine with that. But we can't get any of our money back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. It's interesting when life throws you things that you would have be totally, you know, disrupted by. You Mm -hmm. just kind of work through it and it is what it is, you know. I I think that's where a lot of people were throughout this entire season. I mean, since March was we didn't really have a choice in this. And so we have to just figure out how to navigate it and kind of grieve the things that we're missing out on and let ourselves grieve those things and then figure out, okay, what do we do next? But within all of that, obviously you were continuing to work, continuing to try to grow your business. But what kind of routine did you have to set up for yourself? I mean, when you work for yourself, it's almost like you can't just willy nilly be like, you know what, today I'll work for an hour and see what happens. How did you keep yourself consistent and on a routine and kind of keep from getting discouraged? Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about I've talked about this a lot. But at first, I think I felt really like I had to have the perfect schedule. And gradually, I just kind of realized that I had to figure it out on my own. So generally, what I try to do if I'm like at my most optimum working (laughs) stage is save different tasks for different days. One day is just for writing, one day is just for doing the course or, or whatever. And that tends to work for me. But in general, I try not to let myself get too stressed out if I have an off day and I only Mm -hmm. complete one thing or if I don't do anything on like a Thursday like yesterday was completely pointless for me (laughs) (laughs) one thing that I noticed when you first started posting was uh to-do lists when you sit down in the morning and you think through these are my to-dos what value did those have in your life personally and also how did you pick what would go on that list or was it everything that I can think of will go on this list right now Oh, gosh. I mean, I've always loved to-do lists, and I've kind of changed up how I do them depending on life. In general, the things that I always put on my to-do list, no matter what, is to check my bank account and <laughs> and to, like, drink water. Although I, I sometimes I'm, if, like, I'm in the habit of it now, I don't put it on as much. But I don't know. It kind of just depends what I'm feeling like I need for the day. Like, for Fridays for today, I literally only put down the things that I, like, absolutely need to do. But mm-hmm. if... If it's a Monday, I might put down every single thing and go to the UPS store, do laundry, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I, I stopped posting them on Instagram as much. How do you keep yourself from getting discouraged in that season? The feeling like, well, then I'm not doing anything or I'm not growing. There's just this pressure, I think, especially when you do anything on your own on the side. I mean, I feel it with this podcast is if I'm not working on it in my free moments, then I'm not growing it. It's not going to be what it should be. How do you navigate that kind of pressure and the discouragement that can come with it? I mean, it is really difficult. And I definitely have always felt that way with side hustles. It's interesting, though, now that I'm like completely on my own, I feel much less pressure around certain tasks, even than I did at like a full time job. I think because it's like, I feel more in control of my overall career. So it's like, okay, if I didn't get this to this today, I'll get to it tomorrow. It's not the end of the world. Even if the worst thing ever happens and I lose this client, it's still not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep that in mind. And honestly, if I'm just having a day where I can't get something done, I just kind of let myself have it and then just move on because ultimately like beating myself up about having an off day does not 
make me more productive or <laughs> creative. It's, it just doesn't work. I try to just like have the day and move on and create a to-do list for the next day. I think we get in our heads when it's someone who seems to be gaining some success that they no longer have to face any rejection or they no longer get told no about anything. So for, for anyone who is kind of going out on their own and they have to ask something of someone else, whether it's a pitch, whether it's, you know, when I'm reaching out, that was, uh, you want to talk about someone dealing with your pride. It's the, how many times you reach out to people and like, Hey, do you want to jump on an episode? And they're either not doing recordings at that time, or they've blocked that time off or whatever. You're going to hear no. And it makes you feel like, well, that sucks. Like, why did they, why'd they say no? You know, you almost take it a little bit personal. So how did you keep going when you would get rejections? I mean, how did you kind of accept those and just move on to the next? Yeah, I mean, this is something I talk about a lot in my freelancing course because so much of freelance writing is about pitching and so much about pitching is about being rejected. I send, you know, dozens of pitches each month and I am ignored or rejected quite often. When you do it so so much and you train yourself to do it so much, it basically doesn't even matter at all when you get rejected because it's just part of the flow of it Mm. I have like I have a list of every pitch I ever send and I always mark whether it's been denied or accepted or rejected and then I repitch them so it's kind of just like okay I pitched out to one outlet that's something that I did that's an accomplishment Mm. just to send a pitch Mm -hmm. and now I can make it better and then like by the third time I resend it it eventually gets accepted and so (laughs) it it reminds me just to like keep going rework it and each time you get rejected you're just one step closer to it ultimately getting accepted or better or whatever that is the best perspective I love that so much do you pitch to the same, I know that you probably send it to multiple platforms, but do you ever repitch it to the same platform again, like to you know the same magazine or the same editor or whatever? Do you just adjust it and pitch it again until they take it, or once they say no or don't respond, do you just move on to someone else? I mean, if I really strongly believe that it's like a great idea for that particular website or outlet, I might repitch it again and just change the angle pretty drastically, so it's like doesn't seem like I'm just sending them the same pitch a hundred times. If they haven't flat out said no, that is. But generally, I just try to move on to a different site and, and figure out how I can rework it or come at it from a different perspective. And that tends to work. I know you probably cover this in your one. I do want you to talk about your course that you released. I think there are a lot of people listening who are thinking about, hey, I could try something. I think I could, you know, I love to write or I love this certain topic and, and sharing about it. So I want you to talk a little bit about your course, but I also, I know you probably cover this within it. How do you find people to pitch to? I mean, how do you, how do you know who you even want to be kind of aligned with? Yeah. I mean, this is definitely where I had a heads up because I had been in the industry and I knew a lot of editors personally, but it really is just about, you have to be on social media basically is, is the short answer. And you have to just follow as many editors as you can find and, and interact with them and search for the right email addresses and go on Instagram and and that's kind of the secret. I do go over it in the course, but it, it's really just about searching on social media a whole lot <laughs> and being in different specific freelancing groups where they're going to lead you to different editors and different opportunities to pitch stories for a specific series and all of that. Mm. Do you ever get tired of kind of being on social media? Like, are there seasons or just days where you're like, you know what, I don't really want to even be present on this right now. I want to break. And then if you feel that, how do you take that break? Because it's so much of your business, obviously, is found on there. I definitely 
definitely, I mean, I definitely have gone through phases where I am kind of over it. Twitter, for example, I find very draining and I really try to limit my time on there. It is really helpful for freelancing, which is difficult. I generally find that when I'm really feeling down about social or it's it's giving me a lot of anxiety, I'm getting very caught up in like the comparison numbers Mm -hmm. side of it. So I used to like check my followers basically every day, multiple times a day, because I'd be like, okay, I posted this story. Let me see who's unfollowing me because they didn't like that story Mm -hmm. or they don't like this post. And the past few months, I've trained myself just to look at it once a month. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, it's been such a, (laughs) such a game changer for my mental health. But little things like that generally help me kind of stay grounded about it. But it is difficult. How do you keep let from letting it kind of define your worth or your value. I think a lot of people run into that, especially, you know, you said it, Oh, I posted this. Let's see what they think. How do you kind of draw that line? Like, okay, you said a little bit, I'm just going to follow my convictions. I'm going to know who I am and what I believe. And that's what I'll put on there and what I feel good about. But how do you, if something doesn't, isn't received well, or if it doesn't get the amount of likes or the amount of feedback you thought it would, how do you keep that from impacting your overall uh, self-perception? Oh, I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out, I think. Uh, Give us all the answers, Olivia, please. This is the key to everything. Help us. <laughs> I think something that has helped me is that I have quite a few friends and connections who are quote-unquote influencers, but these are people with like half a million followers, 50,000 followers, you know, many more than me. And I've just found that, you know, the same struggles that I have now, like, oh, what if this post doesn't get like you know over 800 likes or whatever they're having the same thing but it's like what if this post doesn't get over 8,000 you know it's it's completely relative and it's not something that ever goes away so that kind of helps me because I think you tend to get in this mindset with social like if I just reach this amount of followers or this amount of likes or this amount of engagement then I'll finally like feel confident in what I'm doing but I think you just have to kind of remember that that's never going to change unless you just decide that, you know, you are comfortable with what you're posting now. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you have talked a little bit about how you see yourself and how that has changed, especially so much of the, especially Instagram platform is the things that get the most feedback and the most uh, response are usually pictures of yourself. And a lot of people are like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, what if, you know, they, they're scared to put themselves out there. How did you kind of walk that journey of I'm, I'm good with myself. Like, I don't, you know, like this is who I am and I'm completely comfortable with it. What would your advice be to someone who struggles through that? Oh, I mean, the, the practical answer to that is that when you, well, I'll talk about Instagram specifically, just cause it's easier when you start putting yourself in the forefront of your content it immediately does better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're really stuck on it, on like not feeling comfortable to sort of celebrate yourself, highlight yourself, that kind of confirmation, maybe it goes against what we just talked about, but it does help from like a logistical standpoint. Sure. And it's also something that I think helps you build confidence because you realize like, oh, people want to hear from me. They want to see things from my perspective. They want to see my face. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I struggled with that for a long time and mostly it was just because I didn't feel like I I looked good enough or or whatever to be like in the forefront of images. But now I'm just like, someday I'll look back and be happy that I have all these photos of myself. Yeah, especially since I spent years basically like 
deleting photos because I didn't like them. So, yeah. And that's what, I mean, that was probably one of my biggest obstacles when we first started the podcast in general is everyone was like, Hey, you have to put pictures of yourself. And I was like, I don't know about that. You know, like, let's try, let's try this random picture with a quote on it. And it would get hardly any engagement. And then the minute it's a picture of you or your family or whatever, everyone's like, yeah, but then you think this is just your thought process It's like, well, then people are going to think all I care about is me and that I just want them to see me. It's just such a, it's a cycle. And I find myself stuck in it too. But looking at the logistical side, I think kind of changes that perception. But for anyone who is thinking about trying something new, Olivia, just across the board, kind of like you did, you were like, Hey, I have this great job, but I kind of want to do this instead. What do you wish you had known before you started? You don't have to have, you know, the perfect day-to-day schedule or the perfect home office or the perfect to-do list every day or the perfect projects even. It's just more about actually doing the work every day, putting one foot in front of the other, sending the pitches and connecting with editors and, you know, working on branding or putting yourself out there more than it is about the optics of it all. Mm -hmm. And I was really concerned with the optics and I think it kind of distracted me a little bit from like maybe doing as much work as I could have up front. Sure. So the optics of it all, you mean like just building your, your brand and doing pictures and stuff like that? Or do you mean like, how's it going to look to other people kind of explore that a little bit more for us? Yeah. I mean, I think it's both. I think it was just, I was so concerned with seeming like I was successful there it is. Yes. that I, yes. that I think I, <laughs> didn't spend as much time like in the weeds of everything as I, as I could have. And I think part of this is really because I didn't have any sort of a roadmap to get me there. I just wasn't sure the exact steps I needed to be taking, which is why I created zero to freelance my course, not to like plug myself. No, I want you to, because it's really valuable. I mean, if you're wanting to try, so tell us what it is, where we can find it, that whole deal. Thanks. Yeah. So if you go to oliviamentorcourses.com or just my Instagram, I have a highlight about all of it. Basically, I created two sets of tools for people that are interested in freelance writing. And one is zero to freelance. It's a full five module behemoth of a course that goes over essentially like from saying, oh, well, I think freelance writing might make an interesting career to actually making this your full-time job or a really successful side hustle. So it goes over the finances aspect, the pitching, all of that. And then I have a less expensive option that's just about pitching. So if you have never sent a pitch, you've never thought about sending a pitch, both will work for you. But the pitching guide is sort of like the smaller bite-sized version of that. When you were creating those, how long did it take you and how did you keep going even on those days when you're like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, gosh. Well, I I first decided that I wanted to make it, honestly, before I even went freelance, because I was, like, looking around, like, where is this resource to tell me what to do? Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't exist. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it and just, like, flounder around and then, (laughs) then figure it out myself. And, I mean, I think I started writing the materials, like, maybe six months after I went full time freelance. And I just published it. So it took me about a year, I guess, to write it. I was supposed to launch it in March and then, you know, March was kind of crazy. And I was just like, okay, July 28th, July 29th, I'm going to do it no matter what, no matter whether it's perfect or not perfect, it's, it's going out into the world. I'm confident about it. I think the main thing that really helped me start doing that was I read this, I think it was like an email newsletter. I don't even know who it was from, but basically it said like, if you've waited 
until something is perfect to launch it, then you, you've, then it's too late basically. Mm. So I started kind of putting this like mantra in my head of like waiting for protect for, for perfection is failure. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, because I just have this tendency to be like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z when I have the perfect whatever. And it's just, mm-hmm. it sets yourself up to never do anything because nothing is ever perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Did you give yourself like an amount of time when you decided to go out on your own and do this? Were you like, okay, I'll give myself this long. And if I'm not gaining traction or if I'm not experiencing growth or success by the, on this level, then I will look to do something else. You know, I, I didn't, I think I always, as, as unprepared as I felt in some ways, I think I always kind of thought I could do it. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. Sure. (laughs) Maybe it was naive, like to not have a backup plan, but I kind of just always thought, you know, if things go really badly, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, That's almost freeing a little bit too. Like, you know what, if this doesn't work, it's okay. There'll be something else. And that almost gives you the freedom to really chase after it harder than maybe if you're like, Hey, in six months, if this is nothing, then this is what I'll do. Yeah, and I think it also goes back to, like, I have a lot a lot of different ways I could make money, you know, like, there's affiliate stuff, there's Instagram stuff, there's freelance writing, there's the course, mm-hmm. um, and I think that when you have your own business is, like, probably the most comforting <laughs> thought, <laughs> yeah, even though it's overwhelming. Yeah, I've got options, that's the most comforting thought. We end every episode with one question. And that is, what are you so happy that someone did tell you about? This can be absolutely anything that's just kind of floating your boat right now. Oh, gosh. I know. It's always, that is the response every time, I promise you. You're yeah. like, oh, wow. You know, I even, you sent me this question beforehand, and I was like, oh, I'm going to think about it, and now I'm here asking me. <laughs> and look, we've got, we've got you, we've got you in the middle of it, Olivia. You better have a great answer um, now. <laughs> okay, I'll just do something random, but I don't know if you've seen this show on Netflix called Lennox Hill. <laughs> Okay, I've not watched it. I have seen it, but not dove into it yet. It's like, it's basically like a real life Grey's Anatomy. Is it reality? Because I couldn't tell by the preview if it was reality or not. It's real. And it's like, oh gosh, it's so emotional. I was like crying last night, but it's really inspirational too. (laughs) Anyway, that's a very random thing. Listen, your Netflix suggestions, you're the reason I watched Tiger King so early on. I was an early adopter of Tiger King. So I don't know if you want to claim that as like, yeah, that was me. I don't know if I do. I don't know if you want to be proud of that or not. It seems like a lifetime ago. Does it? See, I saw something the other day, and they said, do you remember when life was simple and we all just loved Tiger King and we were getting our stimulus checks? Like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. I was like, remember when Tiger King was the craziest aspect of this year? It feels like a century ago. It, it, no joke. Thanks so much for jumping on here with us today. Tell us how, real quick, how we can find you the easiest. Uh, yeah, thank you, first of all. Um, you can find me at Olivia Mentor on Instagram. OliviaMentor.com, OliviaMentorCourses.com. So basically just Google Olivia Mentor and you will, we will find you. (laughs) Yeah, just throw it you in there. I know. I was going to say, guys, go check show notes for spelling because I'm telling you right now, you won't spell it right. Okay. That's the best (laughs) tip I can give them. (laughs) Thanks so much, Olivia. Thank you. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... 
You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.